Why do you seek the living among the dead? Okay, in, in, in Luke's gospel, chapter 24, uh, looking at uh, 1 through 8 and focusing on verse 5. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. It's a familiar story today, hasn't it? We've talked about empty tombs, right? While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. That they were not members of like the Commodores or Earth, Wind, and Fire uh, or, uh, or some, you know, 70s funk group with uh, big shoulders and radiant clothes. These were angels, right? <laughs> uh, in, the, in their fright, uh, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, and listen to these words, why do you seek? Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? The Son of Man must, must be delivered over to the hands of sinners to be crucified and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. Focus on those words in verse 5. It says, why do you look for the living among the dead. I've heard this verse preached a number of times in my many years in church on Easter Sundays. Talked this morning about my extensive history. I've been around a few years, and um, I don't talk about how many anymore, but seen a lot of Easter's, heard a lot of sermons. But listen, this morning, what we see in the text is um, a combination of things. We were talking the other night, and, and Richard was brought up the fact in Mark's gospel, Mark's account of the resurrection is, is kind of stark. It's kind of... Uh, it, he, he, has, he leaves a little bit of, a te- of tension and drama there because in the original um, text and the original manuscripts, it basically leaves off with a note of confusion and an unresolved question. You know, it's like, gee, he, the tomb is empty, he's raised, and what do we do now? And then kind of leaves it for you and I as a reader to figure out what does it mean. Uh, but we see that uh, in no case in the Gospels is the resurrection necessarily met with a kind of uh, ready and easy acceptance, you know? We would think, you know, we were, when I was growing up as a kid in church, you'd think everything's just like, you know, it's like everything's happy, Jesus is happy, disciples happy, he rises in the grave, he's smiling, the disciples, hey, he's away, you know? It's like, they're like, what's going on here? Where's the body? What's, are you serious? You know, I know he said he was going to get up from the grave, but really, come on, what's really going on here? Where's the body? What's happening? You know, confusion, and then, then it says at the end of our text, then they remembered what he said. Oh, yeah. All right, he did talk about destroying this temple, and in three days, I'll, I'll, I'll raise it up. There, there's confusion. There is, there is doubt and unbelief, because that's the way we are as human beings. I want to encourage you today, because I know some of you, maybe you're here, and maybe you don't go to church all the time. I know when you go to church on Easter, if you don't go all the time, and you go to church, and the cats beat up on you, you know. Yeah, thank you. I'm glad you're here today. You see, you ought to be here on every Sunday. If you love the Lord, every time the door of the church open, even when the janitor is cleaning it up, you would be in the house of the... You know, uh, I, you know uh, we all got our journey, don't we, really? I mean, and you know, I'm a pastor, so this is what I do. I wish all of you would be here all the time. But really, I, I, you know, we go through stuff. We have doubts, don't we? I know some of you real safe folks, you don't have no doubts, no insecurities, no uncertainties, but I know the rest of us real folks do. 
We, we struggle with stuff. We, and I know you say, well, what, I'm just a man of faith and power. Yeah, but you and you laying on your bed at night, you're wondering sometimes how these things can be. And sometimes in your humanity, you deal with that stuff. And we see that in the scriptures. They, the resurrection of Christ, it's, it's happening in their face, and they're trying to put it all together. And some of us are trying to put it all together. And I'm so grateful for the, the, the providence of God and, and what, um, from a Wesleyan perspective, is referred to as prevenient grace. God comes alongside us and within us and works, even before we're Christians, to graciously to, 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 to position us to a place to be able to, to make that, that, that profession of faith. And so I'm glad you're here today, and, and we're in good company when we struggle, but, you know, they, they're, they're dealing with this, this, the, the, the dynamic of death, and it's not an easy thing to deal with, is it? Ever. Even when, there, even when there's the promise of the resurrection, even when, and I read an interesting, uh, I've told some people in the last few years I've talked about, I feel, and this is just me, can I just be me? You say, you're going to do it anyway, so we may as well let you do it. I feel that sometimes in the way we do, and, and like the way we do funeral services today sometimes, that we border on being crass and disrespectful because we're so quick, we want to walk in. This ain't no funeral. This is a celebration. And somebody sitting their heart is broken because they didn't want to lose their loved one. But we said, we know we're in a better place. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Glory. And there was an article in Christianity that said, you know what? We need to quit jumping so fast. Uh, we need to go through the process and, 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 and just and sit with people and go through the, the thing. It's not that we, don't, that we don't expect and realize the truth of the Scripture, but just, you know, life is kind of life, and, and God allows us to live everything it's in its place and in its perspective and its time. So they're dealing with that here, you know? It, they're dealing with death, and life comes and slaps them upside the head. It's like, hey, uh, you thought he was dead, but he's alive. Now, uh, because what, this kind of thing just doesn't happen. People don't get up from the grave. Stole, stones aren't rolled away. I know that some of you are scared of cemeteries and graveyards and things like that. Uh, but I guarantee you, for you, I don't care what the, the, the fictitious movies say and all that stuff about, you know, when you go down and walk through, you know, what is it, the one out there on Central? When I was a kid, about, all the people in my church, they used to go down Central down there. There's a uh, Rose Lawn or whatever it is. The one of them got in a lot of trouble. There's two cemeteries right down there in Compton. You can go down there, and it's been not been, maybe one of them not been taken care of, but I guarantee you, those stones are popping up, and people go, hey, uh, good morning. You know, it's like, no. No. You... You can go over to Inglewood Park. I, I went a few years ago. They did a thing where they, gave all, they invited a whole bunch of preachers over to Inglewood Park Cemetery and Mortuary. Now, let me tell you. They took, and they gave us each like five custom-made shirts. That's when I was bigger, and I couldn't wear those shirts no more after a while. And, you know, monograms and stuff. Because they wanted to, you know, make sure that we felt good about Inglewood. So, you know, as pastors, when, you know, I don't trust none of them. But... Dude told us, he said, listen, there are more people in the cemetery than in the whole rest of the city of Inglewood. <laughs> so, you know, the dead in Inglewood outnumber the living, and sometimes walking around these streets, you kind of feel that, don't you? There's a lot of, really, there's a lot of death around us. There's a lot of, there's a lot of, there's a lot of darkness in the world around us. But, 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 yeah, so we're used to that, but, and they don't, people don't customarily come out like that. And in Jesus' day, there was even controversy about whether resurrection was real. The Sadducees didn't believe in bodily resurrection at all, at all whether other sects of the Jews did. And so it doesn't happen. Reminds me of a letter that social services sent out to somebody once. He said, 
it was the social uh, services in Greenville County, South Carolina. They sent this form letter. Your food stamps will be stopped effective immediately because we received notice that you passed away. May God bless you. You may reapply if there is a change in your circumstances. Yeah. I know some of you might work for the government. I don't want to be on the counter when that person comes in to reapply. I don't want to know about that. Uh, uh, but, but I want to, real, without, without taking all day, uh, I, I want to just remind you that the resurrection is about one thing. It's about what? Life, isn't it? John 1, 4, John in, his, in, in the prologue to his gospel, he, he starts writing about Jesus, about the word that was with God and was God and, and from the beginning. And he says, in him was life, and that life is the light of men and in Acts 3.15, when, when Peter and the guys, they're, they're, they're preaching the gospel there early on, and they said, they said you guys killed, and they're talking about Jesus, the author of life, and God raised him from the dead. You're witnesses of this. He is the author of life who has risen from the grave. Romans 5.17 says, for if by the trespass of one man, that's Jesus, I mean, this Adam rather, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life, in life through one man, Jesus Christ. And that's why Romans 6, 4 says, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through, through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Say life. life. It's all about life. That's why Romans 8.1, someone has said that if Romans is, there are some theologians that think that Romans is the greatest book of the Bible, and if Romans is the greatest book of the Bible, then Romans 8 is the greatest chapter of the Bible, and the, if Romans 8 is the greatest chapter of the Bible, then verse 1 is the greatest verse of the Bible because it says this, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. That's me and you, y'all. Uh, he says, he says for, and get this, for the law of the spirit of life has made me free. It set me free from the law of sin and death. There are two laws that, that, that stand opposed to each other. There is the law of sin and death that says, going all the way back to the Old Testament, the soul that sins, it will die. And we know that we kind of feel that instinctively. We know when we mess up and when we're sinning and when we're alienated to God and we're, when we're behaving in a way that's contrary to God's way, we know that it brings death, doesn't it? Sin brings death in our lives. Sin, sin brings death in your spirit, in your emotions, in your soul. Sin, sin plants death in your family system, in your, in your relationships, in your business dealings, in your money, everything. Sin and unrighteousness brings death. The law of the spirit of life, though, sets us free from the law of sin and death that says, you sin, you die. But the law of the spirit of life says, because Jesus got up from the grave and because he rose from the dead, what happens now is that life supersedes death and life, life, life overcomes death. And so now, the law of the spirit of life is simply this, that the spirit gives life. The spirit of God gives life because of the resurrection of Jesus. The law of the spirit of life set us free. And so this thing is all about life. It's all about life. He talks about in Romans 8 too, the spirit, the law of the spirit who gives life. And then in 10th verse, he says, but if Christ is in you, even though your body is subject to death because of sin, how many of you know that for all of us, these physical bodies will die, yes. right? And then you'll go over there to those places I talked about. 
And your body will be there until such time as, as the great resurrection and God puts you back together. But your body's going to die. But it says, even so, the spirit gives life because of righteousness. And so Romans 8, 11, as we go down, it says, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead, hello, is living in you. How many of you can testify today that the spirit of the one who raised Jesus from the dead, is, is that spirit living in you? Is the spirit of the living God indwelling you? Is God live in this temple? And the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of the spirit that lives in you. Amen. It's all about life. We talk about it. We go back to John, the 10th chapter, and Jesus is talking about being the great shepherd and talks about the fact that he says, listen, they're the, you know, they're, I'm the shepherd. I look after the sheep. I take care of the sheep. I feed the sheep. I nurture the sheep. I protect the sheep. But there are, there are, some, there are some scoundrels out there. He says the thief, he comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. And, we, and Jesus doesn't say who the thief is because uh, he's allowing his hearers to apply that in the context. We, but we, we, we know everything now, right? So we say we are the thief. That must be the devil, right? And, and, and generally speaking, that's what he's saying. The, the enemy comes to kill to steal and to destroy the enemy satan is all about death the world system is all about death and and he comes to steal to kill and destroy but jesus said this and i've said it a million times if i've said it once but i said because it's the word of god and the word of god that we need to embrace and the way we need to live he said i came that you might have life and that you might live it to the full king james said that you would have it more abundantly that and we understand that we would live a fulfilled and a real life, that you would really live life and not merely exist. Because so many people in the world around you, so many people in the world around me are merely existing or subsisting, just getting by, just, just making it, just, just barely eking out an existence, wondering what the tomorrow will bring and wondering what their destiny and their future is. Jesus said, I came into this world. I, I lived a perfect life and exemplified to people around me who God is and what he looked like. And I did all of that in order that I could go to the cross and die for your sins so that I could be buried in the ground and rise from the grave. And I did all of that so that you, having been created in God's image, created for life. You know, God, isn't it a shame to see the way people live? As human beings, man, we live so far beneath what God, God didn't live us, create us to live the way we live. God didn't create us to, to subject one another to violence and mistreatment and abuse. God didn't create us to grovel in the gutter and to, and to gouge ourselves on things that kill us and, and, and lethal substances. God, God didn't create us to walk around in hatred and prejudice and bigotry and, 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 and that kind of ignorance. God didn't create us to, 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 to be the kind of people that we end up being because of sin. God didn't create us to live in that subhuman realm where we live, where we just captivated by hate, captivated by fear, captivated by guilt, just consumed by, by bitterness and anger and fear. We were created for something better than that. We were created to live in love and in joy and in peace. We were created to live in the image of our creator. Jesus says, I came that you would live that kind of life and that you wouldn't live that other kind of life. And that's why I conquered the grave. But go back with me for a moment to the tomb. Suddenly, two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning. We talked about those guys, right? Stood beside them in their fright. The women bowed down. They said, why do you look for the living among the dead? Now, 
thought about this in reading the text. Sometimes I look at that and I said, I think, I think the angels are just being cheeky. Because <laughs> if somebody said to me, why are you looking for the living and minor? Don't, who are you talking to? Are you trying to get smart with me? Why are you at? You know, I mean, why did they say that? It may not have been that they said it so much for the benefit of, 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 of the hearers there. It may have been that they said those words for the benefit of some of us who would come years and years and centuries later. I think there are implications for us. And let's go with this for a moment. Um, think about this idea of looking for life in the midst of death. Looking for the living among the dead. Looking for life where you'll only find death. Without, and I'm not trying to be rude or crass or that kind of thing, but I thought about it thought about places, some of the places I mentioned. Uh, if I were to hold a uh, birthday party for my wife, I'm probably not going to go and try to rent out the chapel at Englewood Park Cemetery. Uh, you didn't book Forest Lawn for your family, although they were trying to push Forest Lawn as like a real happy place, but you didn't book Forest Lawn for your family reunion out on the lawn somewhere. Because those events are about life. They're about family. They're about laughter and love. And those places, they're not bad places. They're, they, they're where they are, but they're not. They, they're about life. You don't look for life. But, but that, now, that's a real obvious uh, parallel, right? Uh, but but the, you can extend this out. And there's another way in which we look for, you know, remember they used to talk about in the, in the back in the year, they looking for love in all the wrong places. Some of y'all know about that, right? But really, looking for life in all the dead places. And you say, well, who would do that? I mean, yeah, the, the, the angels are saying that. I, I get what they're saying. I catch their drift. But, yeah, I understand. But listen, I'm going to tell you what people do. I, I, you know, I, and some of you know because this is the way you lived before you came to faith in Jesus. There are people, and talk about, you know, before, you know, pre-Christ, there are, are people who, who uh, find themselves trying to, trying to, encounter and experience the life that God created you to live. You're looking for real life, but you find yourself looking in places that are characterized by death. You find yourself looking in, you know, in settings and situations and through things that are really about death. Uh, you, you want me to break it down for you a little bit? Uh, you know, some of the places that you might, you know, some, you know, you, some club down on 43rd and Broadway somewhere, you, you ain't going to find what you find in a place like this in there. You know what I'm talking about. And I'm not, I'm not trying to be funny, but I mean, you know, there are settings where people are there and everybody's of the same ilk. And, it, and it's all like this. We're all confused. We're all lost. We're all messed up. So we're going to go get tore up and we're going to finally try to drive home and knock out two or three cars along the way. And we go home and we start all over again tomorrow. We don't have a clue. I'm gonna go down. I'm gonna go down there with them. We, they, well, you you go, but you're looking for life among the dead. Oh, uh, there are relationships, and there sometimes there are toxic toxic situations in which you you know we keep trying to extract life from and and meaning from, and you won't get it because it's not there. The situation is dead. The relationship is dead. Uh, the the setting is dead. It's just not there. Oh, uh, some of you. I mean, we just you know we keep trying to find life in dead places. 
trying to find life at the end of the blunt. Keep trying to find life in the corner of the bottle. Keep trying to find life in, in, in the, in, in the three-hour rental at the motel. Uh, you know, some of y'all don't know. You keep trying to find life in, 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 in trash talking and bad living and, and, and doing things that will only for a moment only sedate us to the real pain and the real concerns that don't go away because you can't, you can't address death with more death. It will take life. It will take the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus to overcome the law of sin and death. We keep going back to the same places. It doesn't work. But then you know that. Amen. You know that. But to us as Christians, Somebody, I know that pastor. Don't be preaching to the choir. Well, we don't have a choir. We've got a worship team. I preach to them. But we as Christians, think with me for a moment. Might it be that we as Christians, as, as born again believers, is there, you know, I always, you guys know my pet peeve. Like, well, we did a survey in this country of born again Christians versus when there's, what other kind of Christian is there? Jesus said, you must be born again. So, I mean, I don't care what denomination you are. If, if, you, if you're a follower of Christ, you're, you're born again. You know, you're Eastern Orthodox, Roman Catholic, Protestant, Episcopalian, Anglican, whatever. If you are a Christian, if you're a follower of Christ, you're born again. So we, make, we start making biblical descriptions of the faith, making them the quasi-political terms. No, you're born again. So you're born again. You've been baptized, you Trying to follow Jesus. And I, what I just went through, you say, yeah, I know that doesn't pertain to me because that's the way I was back then. But listen, sometimes I think we still, as, as believers in Christ, we live far beneath our potential as far as life goes. And sometimes we still look for life we look for the living still among the dead. Sometimes we're looking back over the fence, into the cemetery, into the graveyard, into the mortuary, and things that we know, we already learned. There are certain ways of living, ways of thinking, ways of being that don't satisfy. We already know that, but we find ourselves looking back over our shoulders. You know, some of the stuff that didn't work before you got saved ain't going to work now. In fact, it sure ain't going to work now because God's going to see to it that it don't work because he's going to make sure that you learn to trust him and depend on him and, and him alone. But, you know, it's like, man, listen. But I want to tell you this morning, everything about your life as a child of God, everything about your life as a Christian should reflect the life that is a part of the power of the resurrection. Everything about you should be about life. And so we need to, re- we need to live life to the fullest extent by remembering that the old self has been done away with. It doesn't exist. And so you have the opportunity now to say no to sin and to Satan because of the fact that the life of Christ is in you. The life of Christ, the law of the spirit of life has broken the law of sin and death. We can live now remembering that there's more to our, our life than just uh, the stuff around us that doesn't last. That's nice. I, you know, I like nice stuff. You, I, I, I like, I, I, I often say this, you know, uh, I, I never, I, it was never my aspiration to be poor. Neither was it ever my aspiration for the sake of being rich to be rich. But I've tried to raise my family and I've tried to, 
to experience the blessing of God in my life, and I believe in, in that blessing, but, but I understand this, that, that the life of God in me means that I have to realize that I can't that I won't find life merely in the things that I have. And so just having stuff and grasping at stuff and being greedy for stuff and longing for stuff and strategizing and being jealous of your stuff, it, 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 that's death. Jesus himself said, he said, listen, a man's life does not consist of the abundance of possessions he has. And we go around with that over and over again. And so we, as we live the life of the resurrection, it reminds us that life is, I mean, that's like looking for the living among the dead because that's not where you find it. As you live in God and God blesses you, you enjoy all the things God has created. You enjoy them freely, but that's not where the life is. The life is in you. The life is in Christ. Uh, when we, when we, when we understand the law of the spirit of life, this life thing, we understand this, that, 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 that our troubles, the, the difficulties that we face, life will help us to remember that those troubles will not last. You see, death says to us, we are in a terminable, terminal and horrible situation, and this pain I'm feeling right now this is it. Life says, because of the resurrection of Jesus, I know that there's more than this present suffering of this moment. I know that there's more than this season of tribulation. I know because of faith in Christ that there's more than this messed up world that we're living in right now. Life embraces the reality of change. The resurrection was, isn't interesting. It's about change. And, and the opposite, the, the antithesis, antithesis, my mouth is dry, it's hard to say that, of that is, is you know, death, there's that finality, right? And that's what's going on in, you know, among the disciples. Jesus is, is crucified, he's buried, and, uh, and that's like the end of the story for them. And that, they're going to the tomb. They're not going there. They're not looking and expecting a rhythm. We're going to go see if he got up. Yeah, girl, we're going to have church up in that tomb. Okay. Sounds like something some, you know, some, some, some movie somebody would make. <laughs> going to the tomb with our tambourines. <laughs> no, they're going there to do what you do. They're going there because it's, it's, when Jesus said it's finished, we know what that means. It means that the plan of salvation has been accomplished, that all of our sins have been remitted, that our future has been sealed, that the, the, the gift of salvation has been made available to us. But to them, when he said it is finished, that meant ultimately, basically, our relationship with the Savior is finished. He's gone. He's dead. And that's it. This, this hope we had of, some, of this new movement, of this new thing that was going on in, in, around here in Palestine, in Jerusalem, our hope that he was the one that would come. And we saw him do all the miracles, but, we, you know, wow, it that, that looks like I guess that wasn't the real deal. You know how it is sometimes when God has worked in your life in certain situations and, and you're experiencing his blessing and his grace and then things kind of go south and you wonder, wow, was God really in it? Some of you gave your life to Jesus Christ one day. You became a Christian. And sometimes what happened is somebody lied to you. They said, if you give your life to Jesus, you're going to be living on easy street. They don't say it in those words, but they string together a few Bible verses out of context and basically say, you know, Christian, we just, it's just hallelujah, hallelujah all the time, and we just praising God, and you just, when the devil gets on you, you just turn and put your hand on your hip, girl, and you say, Satan, Satan, you get behind me in the name of Jesus, I bind you. And so then the devil says, well, when you bind me, how long do I got to stay bound? Because you, you can't bind me forever. 
uh, because the, you know, the Bible says resist the devil and he will flee from you. Uh, but you, know, you were told that, and so you became a Christian. You gave your life to Jesus. You're walking with God, and, and you, you thought that everything was going to always be all right, and then somebody, oh, God forbid, somebody talked about you. Oh, my God. Yeah. I know that never happened to none of y'all, right? Uh, somebody, you'd go into church and, and you just loving Jesus and loving the people and trying to do good. And then you walked in church and somebody looked at you and, and gave you the evil eye. And you just broke down and cried. Then the next week you came, they had sat in your seat. And then the week after that, you sat in the seat and somebody come and told you, that's not my seat. You get... And then the next week after that, you, you know, you thought the pastor didn't speak to you. That's because you didn't go up to talk to him, but you, you know. And, and, and your world is shaken because you thought that because you're a Christian, everything's going to always be all right. And you thought that everybody in the church is perfect. Now, let me put it to you. I'm going to tell you about this church. It's my church. I love my church. I've been, my, I've been here a long time. I don't know, Thomas. I've been here too long. I don't know. <laughs> but but, but, but the, my, my, my church ain't perfect because if it, if it was I'd have to leave they'd have to get rid of me now my church is nice my church is loving my church is comprised of people that love Jesus and love each other and love love folks are all they're good folks kind folks outgoing folks some are introverted some are extra but but I think this this is the word real folks Real, regular, everyday human beings ain't trying to be chachi, ain't trying to be better than nobody else, knowing that we will never be better than nobody, but by the grace of God, we sure are better off than some people. And that's God, that ain't us. But listen, listen, we think there's going to be, and so then, then our faith gets shaken and we're like, oh my God, oh my God. Listen, their faith is shaken. What we need to do is realize this, that life means that no matter what, things aren't going to be perfect. You know that. People are going to misunderstand you. Uh, you can have a good family and you'll have family issues because until you go home to glory, until you are, are, are changed, you are going to be, you're going to have issues. I'm so glad I grew up. Because sometimes when I was growing up, I, can I just be real? Okay. I, I, th- I actually thought maybe some of these people really were as perfect as they tried to purport themselves to be. You know what I'm talking about, Brother Steve? I, and, I, and it worried me because I like, I know I ain't like, I'm, 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 I'm spiritual. I was spiritual. I was biblical. I was of good, upright, moral character. I, I was, I, 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 I was, I was, you know, I, I had a fear of God. I was trying, but I knew I wasn't perfect. And I knew I had my thing. And, and guess what? You got your thing. But, but I'm so glad I realized this, that, that, that yeah, we're all, we're, you know, we're all ordinary people, right? We're all struggling where we're struggling. But the thing about it is here's the difference. There are those who struggle with no hope and no help because they don't have the life of God on the inside of them. In my struggle, in my tribulation, in my perplexity, in my, in my, in, in, in all of the 
the, even the moments of confusion when I don't know which one I'm before. Because sometimes I'm before God and I'm crying out, God, what do you want me to do? And guess what? I don't, I know, this is why I ain't got, no, that's why I ain't no televangelist, man. I ain't walking with God right Because, you know, I, I know what's supposed to happen. What's supposed to happen is I'm supposed to say, God, would you show me the way? Would you help? Thank you. Thank you, Max. Would you help me? And, and, and I'm supposed to, yes, my son. Have I not told thee? Get a style up right now. Raiseth a million dollarist and go and build the bomb church in Inglewood. I there are times I, you, Lewis, you know what I'm talking about. There are times when I when I, I you guys and you know what I've been doing like this year. I've been like I prayer walking is because I, I had I've been, I, I've been going I went through some stuff. And so I just started, okay, I'm just going to walk this. I've been on the strand. So I mean, there's some nights I like, I walk like five miles. I know my courses and I'll just be, I mean, like, you know, and I'm just praying. I'm talking to God. I'm working out sermons and, and, uh, and talking to the Lord. And I'm, and I'm saying, Lord, in this thing there, and, you know, and what would you help me? Would you? And, you know, and you just keep waiting for that little voice. Get to the end of the walk. Go get, a, go get an espresso. Go home. <laughs> Stop at Starbucks on the way home. They say, how can you drink four shots at 10 o'clock? I say, I'll be asleep by 1130. <laughs> and and, and let, me, let me bring this back. I don't want to lose you to the levity of the moment. But I'm being real with you in that, no, God has directed my life in a lot of beautiful ways, and I trust God for his guidance. But I'm going to tell you, it's not automatic. It's not instantaneous. And, we, and, I, and, and there are times, you know, in, in certain historical Christian settings, there's what people talk about the dark night of the soul that some of great followers of Christ went through where there were these seasons where they just didn't hear nothing from God and they were doing everything right more than you and I are doing. But the thing about the thing that makes a difference is the life of God in Jesus that sustains us through the ups and the downs because we all have them. And so I want to just remind you to make sure that you're not looking for the living among the dead. Now, so that you don't turn back to the things that didn't serve you in the first place in this present season, thinking that somehow things will be different. So we embrace the implications of, of Easter. We embrace life. Amen, Max. We embrace the life of God in Christ. Uh, this one event resurrection strangely makes death something that is positive rather than negative. This one event, the resurrection of Christ, frees us to to live with joy. You you know what I'm talking about? When I talk about finding life in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, I'm talking about living with confidence and joy. Uh, sometimes, and you know what? You can have joy even when you're mildly perturbed or somewhat unhappy. Joy is something that transcends mere happiness. Peace is something that transcends your situation. Oh, this, this life, this resurrection life, it, it points us to the source of truth that is God in the, midst of, in the midst of all the things in the world around us that are always changing like the wind. This life gives our lives, meaning, and purpose. Because guess what? You're not living for nothing. Your life is not a waste of time. 
you are not just a happenstance. You are not just a coincidence in some cosmic sense. You are someone who has been placed here by the will and the purpose of Almighty God. And so I want to encourage you to make sure that you ain't looking for the living among the dead. I want to encourage you to make sure that you're not looking for, for life in places and in people and in institutions and situations and circumstances that are basically characterized by death. But I want to make sure that you remember that in him was life, as John wrote, and the life, and that life was the light of men, and that we focus in on Jesus. Then what, how do you do that? One of the ways you do that is to do what you are doing right now. And what you're doing right now, you know what, you came, because you know what, you, you, you go out to Point Furman in San Pedro, and a little white tower there, what do you call it? It's called a lighthouse, right? He said, that's nice. I remember when I was a little boy, I went to a church. It was called a lighthouse, gospel church. I love it. And it had a little, and they built a little lighthouse thing at the top. Well, I'm, that light, lighthouses are cool, but you know what? This is a life house. See, this is a life house. Uh, let, me, let me put it to you like, not because perfect people come here, not because we got all the programs and all the money and all the, all the, all the splash and all the bling. This is a life house because people come to this place as part of this community and those who come in to, to meet with us and to interact with us, we come here to find the life that we won't find out there somewhere else. We come here to speak life to one another in the words that we say. We come here when we're hanging out and when we're telling jokes, when we're laughing, when we're drinking coffee, when we're just being, when we're doing a project, when we're serving in the community, whatever it is. We come here to, we trade and, and exchange life among one another. We, we stoke and promote life amongst each other. This house is a house of life. So if, you want, if you're looking for life, you come to places like this and you come among people like y'all because that's where the life is. So now, you know, when pastors say this, you say, you know, we expect when you got visitors on Easter, we know you're going to say you ought to go to church all the time. And I know you say, that pre- that's, preachers always say that. And then I would say to you, well, yeah, why not? Because guess what? Christians and those looking for because when you're trying to find life in the wrong places, and you know, let me put it to you like this. This, us old guys, we, we go to the, you all know when you was in the world thing, right? <laughs> you didn't go to the, you didn't go down to the, the, the whatever, the, the, the okie doke room on Figueroa or wherever, you didn't go twice a year. <laughs> Where you been? We ain't seen you. Every Saturday night, every Friday night. Sometimes on Monday night, would, would, would you, is that right? Any night, they say, because nighttime is the right time. <laughs> now, now, so when I say we, that you're, you are, if you're looking for life, find yourself somewhere in, in, in the house of God with some people that love God, because that's where the life is. And you know what? You, what you do when you, when you tap into that life, you go, you, you know, when you first time you went to that other place, you should, your mama told you don't go down there with them people. But you went down there and it was, hey, hey. And at about one thing, hey, hey. And you're like, I said, that was fun. And you went home and got up the next morning, yeah, that was fun. You know, and you just kept going back. But see, you come into a life house like this, it ain't like, hey, hey. It's like, it, it, see, they, y'all out there, it went from like, 
down here and up, and then it went down by the end. Like, hey, how you doing? Here, what happened? You walk in, it's like you'd be a little down. Hey, praise the Lord. And then the life of God is flowing in this place, the power of the Holy Spirit. And then what happens after a while is you just start, your spirit starts to raise, the spirit of God comes, the life is flowing in this place, and you go out higher than you came in, and you go out shouting, and you, you, know what? you wake up tomorrow morning, I guarantee you, you ain't going to have no hangover unless there's something called a Holy Ghost hangover. You wake up tomorrow morning, you're going to be ready to go to work because you experience the resurrection life of Jesus. You celebrate it with God's people. Uh, you get what I'm saying? Somebody, if, if, there's a, if there's a small group or a, a fellowship or a Bible study or, 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 or a prayer group on your job or some, peop, some place where people are getting together when they're about something, that's where you want to find yourself because that's where the life is. Don't seek the living among the dead. That's why I'm, I'm about done. I was thinking this week. He said, that's what gets you in trouble, Williams. You're always thinking. I was thinking, man, it's like, I thought about, you know, you wonder why. I think about our nation. I think about, this is the thing about a scenario. I think about, man, you go sit down in Mississippi in 1945 or something. You go down in the country and you'd find folks like you and me that would be like, like your parents and grandparents, right? Ours. And for some reason, now they'd be in church on Sunday. They'd be dressed up like y'all, we, like we did today, and we'd go back to the regular thing next week. And we'd, we'd do our thing. You know, but, they, they would, but they would go to church. And you know what they would do? They would dance. You know what I'm talking about. Y'all know what I'm talking about? They would dance. Now, you know, they had the Baptists in the Church of God, and they had different ways of doing it. But the Baptist folks, they had their thing, and they'd get the, the, the nurses around them. Yeah, sir. And then the Kojic, they would, you know, they would get the music, and they said, we don't believe in dancing, but the holy dance, you know, that's all right. So y'all don't have a clue what I'm talking about. But, they, but I want you to think about who we're talking about. Talking about maybe your grandfather who was... Uh, son of a sharecropper who worked a menial job and had, was dealing with Jim Crow segregation, treated as a, as a second-class citizen, a man being called a boy, your, your grandmother, your great-grandmother who was taking in laundry on the side, uh, dealing with the ravages of, 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 of discrimination and slavery, living in the South in that era, having come up through all of that, and yet on Sunday they found themselves, hey, hey, glory. They found themselves somewhere and they called it shouting, but it, but it involved the feet. They, you get what I'm saying? It's because in the midst, there, throughout, and that's an example, throughout the ages there are Christians in the first century who are being fed to the lions, and I don't know if they danced, but I know this, that they rejoiced and worshipped and praised God because in the midst of the death all around them, they had the life that, that, that superseded that death. Do you get what I'm saying? And so I think it's a good thing when we dance. And I want to remind you that whenever you dance, understand that you're dancing not just because you're trying to forget about your troubles. You're dancing not just to look cool or to be cool, but you're dancing because the the life of God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ has come into your spirit and goes into your body and has animated and energized you. Sidney Carter wrote a poem that says it well. He says, I danced on a Friday when the sky 
turned black. It's hard to dance with the devil on your back. Listen, they buried my body and they thought I'd gone. But I am the dance and I still go on. Dance then wherever you may be. I am the Lord of the dance, said he, and I'll lead you all wherever you may be, and I'll lead you all in the dance, said he. Now, the point is this. I, I, this dance theme just got in me on this because it just, people that are alive, dance. I saw y'all this morning. You want, when we were the Savior, you guys wanted to start doing that little, hey, that little Jamaican thing. Amen. Because uh, you're alive. When you're alive, you want to move. My, my little grandson is alive, and, and he's back there punching Camille right now with his little fist because he's just, he's, I'm alive. I've got, I've got energy in me, and, you know, before long, he's going to be running. And, and so I just want to remind you uh, that, that you are alive as well. Yeah. And I remind you that you don't have to keep looking for life. You have it. And, and, and know when you feel you need a, a fresh infusion of it. Know where, where it is. But don't look for the living among the dead. Look for the living among the alive. And the life is in Christ. And the life is in you. And the life is in the church. The life is among the people of God. And you go where the life is. You go where the power is. So next time, I, I got this thing, this conundrum, and this family concern. Because I'm trying to figure out, you guys got to help me with this. My wife was raised holiness. It was we weren't supposed to dance. And then somewhere a number of years back, we started going to, to like social functions and they would go down there and start doing an electric slide. And who was the sharpest one out there? I don't understand it. When you learn how to do that, where you learn how to do that, how you learn how to do that. Because I don't have a clue. They start up, I'm like, I'm like, oh, no, forget it. I got pictures of Alvin trying to figure it out one time. Oh, come on. <laughs> Isn't God good? But listen, I just, I just want to encourage you. Next time you're in church and you feel the joy of the Lord, don't, don't be afraid to, to, to just go with, with, with the joy of the Lord. And, and maybe the next time you're at a birthday party, see, I'm not, I'm not all stuffy about this. Uh, I, I think you see the life of God in all kinds of places. So if you see a beautiful ballet dancer who's, who's doing their thing with all their heart, you can, you can praise God in that context. And you might be in a situation, next time you're at a birthday party and they start, start up the Mississippi mudslide or whatever you call the latest one. <laughs> if you get out there, I want you, when you're out there, I don't want you to be thinking about, wow, I am looking so cool right now. I don't want you to be thinking about that. But in any situation, when you're able to live and move and have your being, I want you to think about the goodness of God in your life and the life he's brought you and the change he's brought in your life and the fact that you have with the old folks I got the activity of my limbs and I, that, I, that I can move and I can, I can do something and be grateful so next time when you're out there just, just think about the life of God the fact that you are alive in Christ If you, I don't care if you the next social function you're at wherever you are whether you're waltzing with your wife or dancing in the line dance or whatever it is do it to the glory of God and be grateful for the life that is ours because of the fact that Jesus on that one Sunday morning so many years ago got up from the grave and he got up from the grave to bring life to people like you and me who were dead in trespasses and sins. Oh, that's why Paul says, it goes like he says, oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, grave, where is your sting? Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. Uh, All right. Come on and pray. Stand to your feet. Come on.